how does that make you feel right like looking at a bat good great done podcast over yeah no it makes me feel great i think it's it's something about because like if you think about all the terrible stuff that happens in the universe or like you know this feeling of like oh the universe is random and cruel but then you see a bat with a long nose or suction cup ankles and you're like no it's not all bad it's not all cruel randomness some things are actually very good hi everybody i know it's been a little while since i released an episode and i'll talk about that at the end of this one But I just wanted to say before we started with the interview portion that I have a couple of episodes I'm lining up to put out in the next month or however long, and I'm really excited to be bringing these to you. These are great conversations with really fascinating people, and it's made my life better having them. Unlike how I used to do things, though, I'm not really going to preamble much. Uh, I'm just going to skip right to the interview, and then if you want to listen to me, talk for a little bit, stick around at the end. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to At Least There's This, a show about some of the small good things in our... (sighs) Fuck. Of a world. Um, War is everywhere. Ethiopia, uh, Israel and Palestine, Colombia, maybe? Definitely Myanmar. Um, Coronavirus is still bad, although it's looking a little bit better in parts of America, but it's still rampant all over India. I I am exhausted by existence, but in a terrifying world where it's hard to just be alive, at least there's... Bats! <laughs> I'm with one of my favorite past guests of all time, Katie Golden, podcaster from Creature Feature, which is one of my favorite animal podcasts. I've been on it, and it's an absolute joy. And we're going to talk about bats today. Hi, Katie. How are you? Good. I'm excited to talk about bats. Other than birds, I think bats may be one of my like second favorite types of animals. As long as it can fly and isn't a bug, you're very pro. Well, I kind of like bugs too, though. So just flight. <laughs> you're pro flight. And penguins too i like everything sorry that's gonna make this hard to kind of narrow in onto we'll, what we'll focus on bats okay we'll just focus on bats all right um so i typically with new guests like to start by asking if my guest is an optimist or a pessimist but since i've already asked you that in our past episode where we talked about birds today i want to ask has your outlook so if you were an optimist or a pessimist has that changed at all in the last year and change with the world being what it is? I almost feel in a weird way that I've become more optimistic because I think when you have kind of uh, anxiety and OCD and stuff, which I have, and you go through life, you're always thinking like, oh, what if a terrible thing happens? And it's very scary, and you're, like, always expecting the worst to happen. And, I mean, it kind of did, right, with the pandemic. And that happened, and it's horrible, and there's not really a silver lining, and I don't don't really believe in trying to find silver linings to terrible things. You just kind of have to accept that bad things happen for no good reason sometimes. But even though that's the case, I think 
go going through that and seeing that people are able to many people are able to navigate that and are able to continue to be good people and do good things and take care of themselves I think it's very it, it I think it makes me feel good about humanity obviously like you there are a lot of things that went horribly wrong I mean our leadership screwed us over from the onset of the virus both in the U.S. and all over the world and a lot of people who refuse to wear masks and help other people it's very discouraging but I think also seeing how many people are able to adapt to it and come together and try to cheer each other on that's really nice and I think it turned out more people are like that than there are people who are you know throwing tantrums and Awful. Trader Joe's yeah right <laughs> I I saw I saw someone do an excuse me this is America once when she was asked to put on a mask and it was (laughs) so baffling like right oh you're real you're not just a straw man in my head like you exist yeah yeah but it's also as annoying and horrible as that is I think the fact that those people are the minority even though they are very loud and too many of them, obviously, way too many people are anti-maskers. And it is is actually causing a lot of problems because that's how viruses work. Like, even if you have a minority of people not, but enough of them, a critical mass of people spreading stuff, it causes huge problems. But I think the fact that most people felt like trying to, save other people's lives by sacrificing their comfort uh, I think is really nice I mean it's obviously you would want more people to be like that and it was it's very frustrating when you feel that people were not willing to do that but you got to kind of look at like you know if we're if, if we've got enough people who are willing to you know stay inside for a year to you know help other people I feel good about that, uh, and I mean, also we got we we have solutions happening like vaccines, and uh, so that's really encouraging because you know my thought is like, okay, well, this is the apocalypse. We're all we're all fucked. Oh, sorry, can I swear? Yeah, but, you can. Yeah, th- yeah okay. please. Yeah, it's like you know we're we're all you know when you when the apocalypse kind of happens you're like oh right we're all fucked we're all gonna be like mutants going along a wasteland fighting over like shit water because it's the only water we can get yeah right exactly and like wearing clothes made out of old tampons yeah like i thought it would be horrible but you know we did obviously with massive amounts of loss and and horror but I, i think that there people are really trying to make it through and that is encouraging to me that you know humanity doesn't just suddenly stop once we are faced with a crisis we keep struggling through it even if it's painful you know i I like how you put that you're an anxious person and the thing actually happened because yeah i'm an anxious person too i'm a terribly anxious person and Sometimes when you're faced with the actual thing, it's like, okay, well, now I have the fear 
of it. Like, what am I going to do if if all hell breaks loose is so much worse sometimes than, like, what will I do once it's happened? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that's that's exactly it. It's, I think, you know, like, I, I, I have a lot of anxiety driving, and once I was on the, and I was so scared of ever witnessing a car accident, and I was on the freeway, and this car, like, fishtailed right in front of me in the carpool lane and slammed into the barrier, and I had to, like, slam on the brakes and I managed to get through that completely unscathed like break in time to not hit it and then just like slow down and go around without any problems and it went so surprisingly smoothly for like a car crashing in front of me that and they they were also it wasn't like a high-speed crash where you know I'm sure maybe they got whiplash or something like that but you know I'm sure they were fine but it's like my worst fear was realized now I'm more confident driving because it's like, oh yeah, my body took over and protected me with my reflexes. And I feel a similar way about the pandemic, although not as, it's not as easy, obviously, as uh, evading a car accident because like we have, I think it's still, like I said, I don't really believe in finding the silver lining of it because it's just horrible. It's not really anything... That's the problem with with metaphor, right, is that you find a metaphor that's useful, and that is a good metaphor, right? This was a car crash you were really afraid of, and then it happened, and now you've gotten through it. But, like, even the best metaphor can only touch it and erases so many pieces of it. And I think our whole generation right now is like, how do we talk about this thing that we've all gone through, you know? Right, and everybody's got, the problem is not everyone's going through the same thing. Like some people actually got COVID or some people still have long COVID and still have the symptoms from it. Uh, A lot of people lost people, uh, lost loved ones. And, uh, you know, a lot of people had to work in dangerous conditions and had to deal with horrible customers who would like, pull off their masks and be really rude yeah and so I think that everybody's experience has been different to some extent and so you know while I think everyone has had some amount of suffering because of it it's it's all it's all very different so it's like you can't just say like well we all got through it because no a lot of people didn't right exactly and and so many people are still suffering because of it uh but I think the fact that we are trying so hard to get through it and to cope like that itself is meaningful to me. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's going to change the way you live your life in the future? Or is that too ambitious of a question to even ask? No, I think that I'm maybe a little bit less afraid of change because I think that being made to feel so helpless about what's happening in the world in a real tangible way, like, makes me realize that it's okay to, if, if uh, you know, obviously if something changes that's not as horrific as a pandemic and, like, your whole lifestyle changes, like, well, that's not scary at all then, you know, say moving to a new place or, you know, just experiencing something new, that's not... Getting a bad haircut. Getting a bad haircut. Well, no, that's still terrifying. But but I I think that, yeah, I I don't, 
you know, it's like, well, this was this was a horrifying life change and change to the world. So I'm not as afraid of sort of the small, small scale changes. Right. Uh, yeah. Because um, literally how bad can it be? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I I think I'm in the same camp. I'm definitely in the it's almost trite now, but like I'm in the camp of like appreciating things that I didn't appreciate before. Yeah. Like I, I'm fully vaccinated. I went to a party with other fully vaccinated people and like normally I'm gone from a party as soon as I can. Yeah. I want to be out of there. Like people I have to talk to about a thing and now like right. I just want to have people breathe near me. I want to be around <laughs> people. I want to hear people talk about things that like I don't oh, talk to me about reality TV. I don't care. I just want to hear you talk. <laughs> yeah, I... It's interesting because, I mean, not to keep mentioning it, but I, I do have OCD and, like, a lot of that uh, has to do with, like, you know, contamination fears and, and such. And I think, surprisingly, I'm... I think I coped with the contamination stuff during the pandemic relatively well because I've learned so many coping tools for having felt it when it was completely irrational, like as a kid, you know, touching like, um, you know, a picture of a, a dead thing, like a picture of a coffin would like make me want to wash my hands or touching touching a random like doorknob would make me want to wash my hands, things like that. Yeah. So so completely illogical you know, OCD is not, not logical at all. It's not, it's also, you know, not just wanting to be clean or tidy. It is an illogical, your brain gets stuck in a loop of like, I need, this thing is, I need to do this ritual or pattern or behavior. Otherwise this anxious feeling is not going to go away. And so I used to have, have things like that. And I, I've always been a slight, my, mildly germophobic because of that. But I've had to really train myself to fight against that uh, so that I, so it didn't become a worse problem. And so now, you know, I think that it helped with the pandemic because like everyone, it was so interesting because everyone was describing new feelings to them that I was very familiar That's with. That's so like, funny. Like I yeah. they're saying like, you know, I'll wash my hands after handling, you know, my groceries, but then I still won't feel clean. It's like, I understand exactly what you're saying. That's what um, sort of hand washing OCD feels like. This ain't my first rodeo. Right. But I mean, you know, I'm not, I, I, I think like I totally sympathize with that. And I, I, you know, especially remember when we didn't have information on fomites and people thought that you could get COVID just by like touching something maybe or or getting something delivered to your door. From China. Yeah. Like I remember. Yeah. People were like, oh, I ordered a package from China. Am I going to get COVID from this? Right. Exactly. And and there was so much uh, credence given to like, well, we sanitize surfaces and I think now we kind of know it mostly transmits through face-to-face -face contact. Like it's theoretically possible to get it by touching a surface and like touching your nose. But I think that the, that didn't hap end up happening all that often. So like, but I remember at the beginning, we didn't know how long it would last, like say on some groceries or something. So you'd get your groceries home. And it's like people were saying like, well, I have to clean everything that I bring into my home and it's very disturbing or 
very distressing. And I, I think that, you know, I had, it was distressing for me as well, but I had also had all of these like tools I've learned in therapy to deal with that feeling of contamination and how you, how you soothe yourself, how you calm yourself down from that. So I do kind of, while I don't, wouldn't wish that upon anyone it's also like I, I feel like now I have a way to really explain what it feels like to have OCD to people I think everyone will have has experienced not not the full experience obviously but at least a part of like that feeling of like oh I touched something that doesn't have any dirt on it and I, like there's nothing physically here but I feel contaminated and even when I wash my hands I don't feel safe that's, anymore and it's that's like fascinating yeah yeah did do you feel did you feel seen in a way when that started to be a thing that was happening? Like, oh, now the whole world, you know, and you you just articulated, it's not the exact same, but it is there. Some of the symptoms of it are similar, right? Like people have now experienced some of the symptoms and did it feel suddenly like, oh, wow, you know, like now I know better or now, now more people know how to relate with me. I guess that is similar yeah. to what you just said. Yeah, yeah, no, I think so. I, I think while it does, it certainly doesn't give the entire experience of what OCD is and it only one specific symptom of a specific kind of OCD because there are many different, like some people with OCD have no hand washing behavior and it's completely, completely different types of rituals and stuff. But yeah, I think that it's now I think I can explain things a lot better. Like, yeah, the reason... I get grossed out touching a banana or something is like uh, think about touching a random table during COVID and how you have this vague sense of contamination, even though maybe, you know, that's not logical or, you know, there's nothing really there. So yeah, it's, it's uh yeah, I think it is, it is interesting. I hope that it, I hope that I do hope that I mean I'm I'm concerned I hope that it doesn't cause I'm sure it will but I'm I'm sad that it's probably going to uh, trigger a lot of um, anxiety in people and uh, that will last beyond the pandemic but I also hope that it also inspires some empathy for people who have a, a long term anxiety or OCD or you know, various or social anxiety. I mean, I don't have social anxiety. You but don't? I've talked to, oh, no, I'm so not really. jealous. I'm so <laughs> jealous. I mean, I think I have the normal level of everyone has some social anxiety, but I certainly don't have, you know, uh, clinical social anxiety. But I think that after the pandemic, so many people are saying, I don't know, like I'm anxious to like go back and meet with people again. And I'm hoping that those kinds of things, it's like maybe we can... Empathize have more, more empathy yeah yeah exactly as, as someone who is uh just recently like medicated for depression it is uh it's nice to be able to explain to people like oh well that's how it feels when you like can't get out of bed or you're you feel shut in or like you want to change something but there's no way to change anything you know like that's how that feels and it it does feel like a great source of empathy okay i'm about to do a gymnastic level transition. Let's see if I can pull it off, okay? All right. So we're talking about empathy and what it's like to be something else, which reminds me of a famous paper in philosophy by philosopher Thomas Nagel, what it's like to be a bat. Let's wow. talk about bats. 
Whoa, 10 out of 10. Russia only gave you an 8, though, but they're real sticklers. They judge hard, yeah. They do, yeah. But everyone else, 10 out of 10. That was great. Stuck the landing. Yeah, bats. I love bats. I I think that that's another animal who deserves a lot of empathy. A lot of people are scared of them or misunderstand them, but I think they are really amazing, adorable, and fascinating little critters. Um, Yeah, bats are truly insane um, and cute. How much of the natural world we think of as crazy because we don't run into it very often, like bats that they fly, but they're not birds and that they have these crazy long hands really just trip me up because I'm so disconnected from the natural world. So I'm very excited that you wanted to talk about bats because I would love to hear more about bats and know why you think they're so cool. Yeah. I even brought my book with me. It's called Bats, an illustrated guide to all species by uh, Marianne Taylor and Merlin D. Tuttle. So it's a beautiful book. I highly recommend it to anyone who wants to look at cool pictures of bats because it really shows you the amazing divergent morphology of bats. There's I mean, I don't know how good this camera is, but I just opened the book to a random page and look at this. Look at this son of a bitch. Um, that is not, I'm just seeing words right now, but I'm going to oh, trust yeah. you that that son of a bitch is interestingly morphed. Yes, that's an interesting bat. Of all animals, why bats? I think they are, it's, it's really interesting to me to look at something that is, unexpectedly divergent like you think of a bat and you think of kind of like maybe you think of like a fruit bat maybe you think of a vampire bat but you just think like well yeah it's like a mouse with wings but when you look into it you see there are some incredible examples of evolution and uh, these animals finding these evolutionary niches that leads to really bizarre and wonderful adaptations it's like when you look at a bird and you're like yeah it's a bird whatever but then (laughs) darwin looks at finches you know kind of like i guess they're pretty little birds but who cares and he looks at their beaks and then the beaks show that they are rapidly evolving to be able to open seeds and so something as mundane as like you know, beak shape and size can be so interesting and lead to such a, you know, breakthrough in science. And I feel similarly with bats, like uh, they, but instead of it being boring, they look completely nuts. Like (laughs) people don't realize, like whatever image you have of a bat in your head, you don't realize the, how weird they can get. They start to look completely alien. You wouldn't even recognize them as a bat looking at their face. They, it, it looks like, um, what's the guy, the artist who did the stuff for Alien, like Geiger? Oh, H.R. Uh, Giger, yeah. H.R. Giger. It looks like H.R. Giger drawings. And you're like, how is this? It doesn't make any sense. And then you look into why they're like this. And so you have bats that look like puppy dogs with wings, like uh, the flying fox, with these mega bats that are huge, by the way, way bigger than you'd probably like them to be and they're adorable they look like a puppy dog you look at their face they look like 
uh, golden retriever, black lab, um, but small and with wings. Then you look at something like a horseshoe bat that looks like an alien exploded or something. I'm, I'm going to look that up right now. Yeah. Horseshoe bat? Yeah. Horseshoe, horseshoe bat. bat. Um, I mean, I've... Uh, I wish horseshoe I... Horseshoe I bat. wish I could just show you. Um, I'm pulling up image right now on Google. Oh, I don't. I don't. <laughs> oh, he's... He, he's interesting. <laughs> he looks like God's little mistake. <laughs> Uh, but I do love him, but he is strange looking. Yeah. Those ears. What's an ear and what's a nose, horseshoe bat? I'm sure he'd think the same thing about me. I'm sure he'd think I'm hideous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his uh, the ears are big. The nose is just like looks like a weird orchid. Uh, they are, and there are many species of horseshoe bats, by the way, with all different crazy noses. And um, there are nectar drinking bats which you wouldn't maybe think of with a bat nectar drinking bats that have long noses like a hummingbird like a hummingbird and they hover like a hummingbird and drink nectar so the an example is like the um trumpet nosed bats found in mexico looking uh, that up yeah you're gonna wanna this is all gonna be alex reacts to like katie um tells me bats to look at yeah you're no, my I mean, bat that's... sommelier and if we run out of bats, I'll just open oh, my book to random bats. Oh, Found the trumpet oh, bat, trumpet oh, this, bat. <laughs> this guy's this guy's a guy. <laughs> Ooh, this is a this is a real dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, everybody, unless you are driving, look up a trumpet nose bat ASAP. This guy has some character to him. Yeah. He's uh you know, it's like if you're creating a character in i don't know um elder scrolls and then you just turn up all the sliders on nose length this is where we both say that we really love monster factory we do i love monster factory yeah. so much if it's any, like yeah if any mcelroys are out there we both want to talk to you uh, yeah and i, I the reason monster factory is so good is it just shows i think any monster they've created in monster factory could have some kind of evolutionary explanation if you look into the weird stuff that happens in evolution and the monsters it creates. So, so th me, me sliding back into trying to pretend that I'm, I'm a person with depth. The thing I'm finding interesting, like the connection between bat morphology and everything we were talking about before we started talking about bats is that there's a, like a history there and a, like it shows you growth. Right, because you're talking about this trumpet-nosed bat and like their giant nectar-drinking nose, and that tells you the same sort of thing that Darwin's finches told Darwin. Look what's changed before here, right? Things change, things evolve, and that's what we were talking about about coming out of COVID, right? Like, yeah. okay, things can change, and that's yeah, okay. Actually, things can evolve. My face got really long and narrow because I was sick of lifting my cup of. Uh, water to drink and so I just developed a really long face like a yeah. straw uh-huh and my nose now looks like an orchid but that's because of <laughs> that's more because I got very into Georgia O'Keeffe yeah. during COVID <laughs> yeah no I mean I think that is that's uh 
obviously you can't really will yourself to have evolutionary changes, but you can. Lamarck would disagree. Have, that's true. Lamarckian just uh, that the idea of that was that if you developed a trait, uh, you would pass that trait on like say you're a giraffe and you're stretching your neck really hard to reach the top of trees you would pass on your good neck muscles to your young and now we kind of recognize that there are environmental factors that um, affect offspring depending on the just like the environment that the um, parent has and like what they're eating and what they're what the shape they're in but it's not as simple as like you get big biceps and then you have a baby that comes out with really huge biceps yeah that would be freaky though you if you were a bodybuilder and so your baby just came out as a little bodybuilder i want milk just punching the obgyn in the face yeah Yeah. because they're not keto um (laughs) so sorry we went into joke town when i when we were talking about being comfortable with with change or that the environment creates the kind of change that you know happens to you when you see an insane weird bat and like they've grown into their own evolutionary niche does that make you feel maybe less afraid for the world yeah i think so i mean because hey if humans blow it uh, i think bats will have a pretty good chance yeah i mean i think it is it does there's something about how life seems to, you know, as uh, the famous Jeff Goldblum says, life dot 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 finds a way. And I think that bats are such a, they're such a spectacular example of that because obviously there are all sorts of animals that will find their evolutionary niche. Uh, but bats are just so flamboyant about it and so fun about it. Like there's something called the uh, Madagascar sucker-footed bat. And they literally have little suction cups on their ankles and they use them to uh, like stick to uh, the leaves of plants uh, because they otherwise sometimes may get like parasites on them. But uh, bugs have a harder time crawling on these leaves. And so if they're just stuck to these sheer (laughs) leaves with their little suction cup uh arms then like they're safe from parasites and it's so it's just so specific and weird and just you couldn't it seems very cartoonish like uh, something a child would come up with like well here's a bat but it's also got suction cup arms it does feel very pokemon yeah in a way right of like okay what interesting shit can we just throw onto this and make it a creature yeah yeah how would does that make you feel right? Like looking Good. at a bat. Good, great, done. It podcast over. Feel, yeah, no, it makes yeah. me feel great. I think it's it's something about because, like, if you think about all the terrible stuff that happens in the universe, or like, you know, f- this feeling of like, oh, the universe is random and cruel. But then you see a bat with a long nose or suction cup ankles, and you're like. No, it's not all bad. It's not all cruel randomness. Some things are actually very good. Yeah, and some very of this purposeful. Some of this is like delightful. It's right. Yeah. Do Do you think it would be delightful if humans weren't around to delight in it? Must Must there be one who delights for something a, to be delightful? I think something like a chimpanzee might get a good chuckle out of bats. Okay. Yeah. We should study that. <laughs> Throw chimps at bats. 
If you, if you showed a bat to a dolphin, it'd probably find it freaking hilarious. Yeah, as all sentient creatures find bats ridiculous. <laughs> That's the true Turing test. Sh- is yeah, you show a you show a bat to a smart enough bird like a corvid or a parrot, they're gonna find it ridiculous and yeah. funny. Um, I like talking to you about animals because you have a really good sense of humor about it i mean that's the whole purpose of your podcast right you have a sense of humor about animal behavior because a lot of times when you're talking to people like purely in the realm of biology it's do you there's a fascination but that fascination is like very technical and interested and you can go there into like What's this infinite beauty that you see in, you know, the the multifaceted growth of evolution? But it's it's rarely like, look at this fucking dumb guy with his his stupid nose and his big funny feet. And I like talking to you about it because like the ridiculous is a part of the sublime, you know? Yeah. No, exactly. I don't think we should put nature on a pedestal. That's uh it makes I think it makes us less connected to nature when we're like oh the the when we're only thinking about it in terms of this like almost sacred beauty and, and glory right. it's like no I mean guess what bat 69 like do they, they do oh yeah no that's this is not they... a bit bat 69 that's not they don't always do that but <laughs> uh they so sometimes a male bat will perform cunnilingus on a female bat and a female bat may perform oral sex on a male bat to encourage each other to stay interested in mating. So, yeah. No, they have fun. I mean, if you hang upside down, right? it's probably pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think that they've already got some pretty good abs. Uh, yes. And so they're well-practiced at flipping things up and down. So, <laughs> hey, why not? Put your thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Right. I mean, that is interesting because because being upside down and being right side up is a thing for them. They they're more. It seems like it, animals who are able to defy gravity more are more likely to engage in sixty nine behavior. Like dolphins as well seem to be uh, d- do that more, and they they're just like in the water. Who cares? what's up and down in the yeah, water. Yeah, and astronauts do love to 69. They do. They do. I mean, yeah. Colonel like, uh... Colonel Hadfield was always 69ing. <laughs> That's why they couldn't send those twins up into space together. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, we, yeah, didn't they... Haven't there been studies on, like, oh, could you, like, do space sex or something? I, I don't know. I feel so. like I'm making that up. I... I, bel- I I have not heard this. This is like entirely me just, you know, when you just have a hunch, I'm sure someone's that's fucked called in space. A, that's called a perversion, but a <laughs> space sex, sex study. Because I feel... Like, can you even... Oh, there's a Wikipedia say? about it. Okay. Uh... Sex in space, specifically human sexual activity in the weightlessness of outer space, presents difficulties due to Newton's third law. According to the law, if the couple remain attached, their movements will counter each other. Consequently, their actions will not change their velocity unless they are affected by another unattached object. Oh, so you need like a third. 
right. I think that's what they're saying that you need a sort of menage a trois. Except the situation. third is more of a third. They don't really get to enjoy it. They're kind right. of. You need the opposite of a sex swing in space. Mm, you, you need, need stability. A, like a sex fulcrum. Yes. <laughs> if you give me a large enough lever and I right. can rock your world. Right, right, exactly. We should be asking bats how they do it, though. Right. Yeah, well, bats, they do it because they're cool. I mean, let me see Have if you... a bat has ever been in space. Bat You tried being space. cool. Space bat. Um, oh, Jesus. No? Oh, no, it's just there was a bat who... Uh, <laughs> the I guess... It's okay. So Discovery lifted off from NASA's Kennedy Space Center with a small bat clinging to its external fuel tank. Ooh, he didn't survive. No, probably not. And then the animal. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, no, he he's he's ex space bat now. Yeah, he burnt up definitely. Oopsies. Yeah. Um, Speaking of space bats, I don't know how I'm going to do this transition. So so let's pretend I don't give a hoot about bats. I don't give a squeak about bats. <laughs> how dare you? Uh, I think it was okay. I don't know. I'll, I'll fix it in post. I'll make it funny. <laughs> let's pretend I don't care much about bats or even I don't like bats. Right? What would you tell me? gun to your head about mm. why I should care other than get this gun away from my head. Yeah, well, I'd call upon my legion of bat friends to uh, confuse you with their their echolocation cries so that they could get the gun out of your hand. And now, now we, me and the bats, have the upper hand. But much like Batman, we don't believe in using guns, so I guess we just punch you because that's okay, though. Um... Yeah, how to get someone to care about bats. Uh, I mean, I don't... It's hard to really convince a sociopath of anything, huh? <laughs> but there... I mean... Let me think about this for a second. I want you to think of, like, a bat you don't think could exist. Like, okay. Like, a cut, like what... When you think of, like, what color of bat do you think, like, couldn't, would you not expect? I am, oh, God, I'm afraid to play this game, both because I'm afraid to be disappointed and I'm afraid to be shocked. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to get my hopes up. I mean, just try to do it within the realm of, like, physical uh, possibilities. Right. Like, yeah. you're, you're not going to be, like, a bat with a cannon attached to its abdomen, but, like. Right. No Bulbasaur or uh, Blastoise the bat. Right. And like when I'm saying colors, think about the colors that mammals can generally come in. But, uh, you know, so like obviously we're not going to have like a green rainbow bat. Right. Is there a pink bat? There's close to pink. Yeah. There are is sort of there are bats who kind of are an orangey orangey purpley pink mm -hmm. there are bats who have pink little faces and white bodies like the northern ghost bat Ugh, they're all named so well <laughs> there are bats 
who have sort of gr a green hue to their wings. Oh, the northern ghost bat is so great. Yeah. The northern ghost bat is my favorite bat so far. <laughs> oh, I love him. Oh, he lives he... in uh, South America and is very twiny. He is very. He looks like a yeti who can fly. He's great. Look at the uh, Honduran uh, white bat. Honduran white bat. Yeah, oh, this guy. Uh, what are you up to with that nose, Honduran white bat? In fact, I think like bats may be the only mammals who can manage to pull off a sort of green color or greenish yellow color. Uh huh. Because of the, I think it's because of the uh, their diet, uh, and they also. A cool fact about those guys is they make a little tent that they live in with their families by sewing together leaves. How do uh, they sew of, together leaves? They kind of like bite them and fold them. That's so cool. Yeah. The So the problem I'm having right now as an interviewer is that normally my interview style is like, this is a thing maybe I don't totally get why it's so delightful, so I want you to take me into your mind about why it's so delightful. And I'm having the hard time of like, no, this is like on its surface just delight. It's fun to yeah. look at weird pictures of bats. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is a little, the Honduran uh, white bat is a little marshmallow that grew like yellowish green little ears, a little piggy nose and can fly. So I don't, I just don't know, like, if you're like, well, why is, why should I care about that? I don't know what else to say, you know, like, what do you mean? Why should I care about a marshmallow who can fly? Like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you? Right. I am trying to make more room in my day for, for things that are delightful. For no reason other than that they are. Uh, it doesn't have to be deep. It doesn't have to be like even mindful, you know, of like, ah, oh, I'm so present and I'm mindful thinking about the delightful face of this bat. It's like, no, just look at look at the bat. Right, Isn't it right. a, a fun, weird bat face? Isn't this a good time? Right. There's a bat that's Halloween colors. It's like orange and black. And I don't even remember what it's called So because there, there's so many goddamn cool looking bats. There's a bat called the hammerhead bat that has just a big freaking nose, big old honker. Just Google it. I don't even know. Just Google hammerhead bat. Uh, oh, he's so soon. dumb. He's oh, so my dumb God. Is he real? Yeah. Yeah, and he uses his big square head to honk really loud to attract females. Oh, what a fucking dingus. Yeah, no, he's an unbelievable dingus. He's like... He would make Jar Jar Binks look sophisticated. Absolutely. Yeah, if I saw this guy in a movie, I'd be like, nah, I pass. I pass. Give me my ticket back. Oh, but I just love him. Uh, there's the vampire bats, you know, the bats who drink blood and people are kind of freak out about them, but... Like most of right. Them, well, I mean, but because of Dracula. Because of Dracula, but they're adorable. Have you seen Castlevania? Isn't is Castlevania a movie or a game? It's a TV show ah. that they made out of a game. Oh, Dracula's okay. in it, and he's terrifying. Okay, I've heard vampires are sexy again, though, right? Because there's the new, what is it, the new Resident Evil? 
is that oh with with the um with the step on big me titty lady? goth vampire yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the big, giant woman the giant woman she's like a vampire but she's very big very busty and so every i guess everyone's just universally horny for this uh giant giantess uh, yes. vampire lady who um i mean i i see it i get it i'm not saying i don't get it it's just like the universal it would be better thing, if she right. were a bat yeah yeah no exactly i i, I think I, I would like to see like what kind of bat she would turn into uh <laughs> probably a hammerhead bat right right i mean there's a but the vamp vampire bats are really cool uh obviously not all bat there are bats that are nectivores so they they drink uh nectar there are bats that uh eat insects there are uh, bats who only eat fruit there are bats who uh, do drink blood, but they don't really kill to drink blood. They usually just uh, drink, sip a little bit from a cow ankle. Who's that hurting? I mean, probably the cow ankle. Probably the cow ankle, yeah. Yeah, but like vampire bats really don't drink human blood, except for one species, uh, which is known to very occasionally feed on humans. It's called the hairy-legged vampire bat. But if oh, you, it would go for me. But if, I got hairy legs. Well, I think okay. I think you're misunderstanding why they call it the hairy-legged vampire bat. Uh, it's not not necessarily that they prefer hairy legs themselves, but they themselves have hairy legs. So maybe though, you guys would get along. Um, yeah, probably. Just, We'd have stuff to talk about. Right. You you would have something to share while it's sipping on your blood. But very rarely, yeah. it's probably also because of the human proximity to uh like chickens so like they they like to feed on chickens and if you're a farmer and you live around your chickens like they may opportunistically sometimes do a little nibble on you and they're not gonna you know they're really not going to uh hurt you um i mean obviously all bats like there's the concern about the transmission of rabies but that's actually very rare so while you should get you should go to a doctor if you think you've been bitten by a bat and just to be safe, just to get the, because you can get the uh, prophylaxis, the, the rabies shot, and it's much less painful these days than it used to be. It's really not that scary. Like, I know people probably heard horror stories of, like, it's a giant needle, and it really hurts, and you have to get a huge amount of them, and that's just not the and case And they anymore. always do it in the butt, they right? Do, like, it always goes it in, in your butt. I don't know if it's always in the butt. I think it could be in the thigh area, or but, like... Honestly, getting I've I've had shots in the butt and it's like a good place to get it because it doesn't hurt. Um, it doesn't hurt as much I, as the arm. Why have you had shots in the butt? Uh, vitamin B12 because I had low vitamin B12, so I got got oh. a got some B12 in the butt and it felt great. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so so obviously disclaimer: if never just pick up a bat and if you get if you think you've been bitten by a bat, go to the doctor. Uh, and it's do not be afraid to get a rabies shot because uh, it's really fine and and uh, rabies is deadly, so you don't want to play around with that. All of that being said, it's so incredibly rare. It's to get rabies from a bat. It's you really shouldn't be afraid of bats for that reason. Um, and you shouldn't be afraid of vampire bats because, you know, they don't, like I said, the only one that really is known to occasionally feed on humans, it's because we live near chickens and then they're like sipping on a chicken and then they look over at your hairy legs and they're like, oh, maybe I'll give that a try. And, you know, it's not like they don't suck you dry of blood. They just sip a little bit. You're not even going to notice probably. 
And uh, they're adorable, though. Look them up. The hairy-legged vampire bat. Look at those little face. Look at that little face and tell me you wouldn't just let it drink some of your blood. All right, I'm going to look it up. Harry, le- not Harry Osborn. Hairy-legged <laughs> vampire bat. Okay, hairy-legged vampire bat. Uh, uh, to suck or not to suck. I would not. I got to be honest. I wouldn't. I wouldn't, like, kill him. But I wouldn't let this guy suck out of my leg. I would. I think he's adorable. He's got a weird... He's got a mouth I don't love. Aw. Yeah. I disagree. I'm sorry. I disagree. I think he's I think he's cute. He's got like a little smile. You know, he's, he's a little bit cheeky. He's like, ah, you caught me. Ah, you caught me drinking your blood. <laughs> ah, you got me. <laughs> Get you next time. They are Muppet-like. Yeah. He does have a bit of a gentle yeah. smile. And again, okay. for legal reasons and a disclaimer, don't uh, don't get bitten by a bat for the whole rabies reason. You just don't want to you don't want to do that. But if I was like immune to rabies, of course I'd let this little guy just take a little sip sip of my blood. Katie and I are both saying don't don't actively let it happen. But you would be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> no. If you want to be cool, in our book, uh-huh. two LA-based young adults, right. hot on the town, let a bat bite you no. and drink some of your blood. That's actually not. I'm saying no. I'm saying don't. And wink legally. No winking. Legally, no legally. winking. My lawyer. My lawyer is shaking his head. My bat lawyer. It's actually a bat. <laughs> yeah, he's hanging upside down. He's facing the wrong way because he can't see for yeah. shit. But. Attorney bat law. Right. I mean, justice is blind. It is. Although bats are not. That's a myth. They are not blind. Even if their eyesight isn't great, they typically are not completely blind. Um, And often their eyesight is just fine. It's just that they uh, can rely on echolocation and they're really good hearing to be able to sense things at night. So they don't always rely on their eyesight at night. They can rely on their echolocation they're hearing if anything they're less blind than we are because they have better senses than we do at night yeah if i could have any sense i guess echolocation is sort of like a meta sense or no it's a it's no other way because they're hearing right you're using your ears which i possess ears yeah but i can't echolocate and i i guess skill or ability i really wish i could do that yeah some people actually can do it in a sense like so people uh certain blind people right yeah yeah people who uh who are blind sometimes can develop by clicking they make a clicking sound with their their uh, tongue against their palate and they can actually do a sort of like human echolocation uh it's something they have to learn it's not something that humans can innately do but they can uh kind of sense the subtle difference of that clicking sound bouncing off things or not and use it that's so extremely cool it's amazing people are people are incredible okay so people are incredible we are coming up towards an hour we're butting on an hour i'm it's amazing how this went so fast just looking at pictures of bats so i want um i want three things and it's up to you however many uh Damn it. Okay, I want five things. Uh, so I want maybe three more worthwhile bats. Mm-hmm. 
that people need to look at. And then I want to do the big G and small G good game with you, right? Like how bats are for you this global good that makes the world worth living in. And I mean, we already know why they're the small good, but I think I just still want to hear you punctuate sure. it and then we'll we'll go out. So do any of those five in any order you want. All right, first let's, let's do some honorable mentions of some rad bats. Okay, ready? Yeah. I, yeah, uh, what am I looking Chapin's for? Chapin's bat. Uh, <laughs> oh, I like his name already. Chapin, uh, found in Central and South America. He's an insectivore. He's got <laughs> a... <laughs> Oh, this is the dude. He's got a literal mohawk. Oh, this guy rules. Oh, this guy is so good. I like yeah. him a lot. He's got like a Mad Max style uh, post-apocalyptic mohawk. They're they're rad. Yeah, this guy absolutely looks like he would headbang. This guy, though, but he's the cool one, yeah. right? He's definitely a punk. Yeah. Like with an anarchy cut off sleeve t-shirt, but like he doesn't want to hurt you. He's definitely a vegan. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, actually, this one is not a, a vegan. He's an insectivore. If you want a vegan, find one of the many species of pollinator bats, like the Cuban flower bat, who sometimes gets sometimes gets so laden with pollen that they are they look like they're yellow because they're just covered in pollen. <laughs> oh yeah, he does. And they're cute. The Cuban flower bat, to me, it looks like they've got a cute little smile. They're adorable. He does. Yeah. Oh, I like I like his little pig nose. I realize I'm calling all bats he's, but I'm I'm in this so deep that I'm not changing. <laughs> uh, actually, the Chapin's bat you're looking at is probably a he because only the males have the mohawks. Females oh. have a little bit of hair tuft, but it's not quite a mohawk. So it's probably sexual selection. It's probably males showing off to females how cool their mohawk is. Yeah, I'm very cool and listen to music you've never heard of. Um, okay, so now answer one of my question questions. Uh-huh. Uh, big G, little G, you mean? Yeah. Um, the big G, the good for the world, there's a lot of reasons, actually. Uh, one I kind of just implied, which is that they are really good pollinators, which sounds strange. Uh, I think we think of bees as being the main pollinators but bats are actually really really good pollinators and they're really good for the environment uh and they're also good for humans because they like to eat insects and eating mosquitoes is a great thing for humanity we really do want to keep some insect populations under control and bats do a really good job of that Fruit bats also helps the development of forests because when they eat a fruit, they fly somewhere and they poop out that fruit. Guess what? It's going to be a new tree. So they are... Only you are so productive when you shit. I, know, I just right? do Duolingo. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Uh, it, they are... They're literally saving the world just by taking a dump and flying One dump around. at a time. But yeah, because they are... You know, because they can fly, they're great at dispersing things like seeds and pollen. And, and so that is that is often a really useful thing for for the environment. So they're ecologically very important. Okay, give me another bat. Uh, you want another bat? Let me see. Let me think. Hook me up with another bat, baby. Oh, gosh. There are so many. The smallest bat. Uh -huh. The teeny-weeniest of bats uh, is the bumblebee bat or kitty's hognose bats, which is about an inch long and weighs only two grams. Um, no way. They're about the size of a human thumb. 
they're no way look at this little guy yeah and they have little little piggy noses and they eat spiders and flies and they just want to be your buddy oh i want him yeah oh uh, look at this little doofus He's a little ding dong oh look at this little guy oh i have cats i wish i had this instead <laughs> He's so little. I want him to be my wizard's familiar. Could you imagine him just like sitting on your shirt like a little brooch? Yeah. Brooch. Just sitting, I don't know what you call right. it. Brooch or brooch? Brooch or a brooch, brooch, a statement piece. Right. Yeah. And you just feed him flies and spiders. It's great. Uh, and the large, you want to hear about the largest bat? Let's hear about the largest bat. Well, first let's hear about how they are little G good. Then we'll oh, do right. largest bat and take it out. Little G good. Uh, I mean... Little G good. I mean, look at these little tiny cuties. Uh, how could you not? They make me happy. They make a lot of people happy just because of how incredibly, I don't know, I guess fanciful they are. And I think... They are fanciful. I think we have this... I mean, people love them. People love to be spooked by them. I think that... I don't think too many people are really truly afraid of them. I think even though we sort of associate them with Halloween and stuff, I, I think, um, I mean, obviously, they're a really important thing in our culture. We love Batman. We love uh, putting them up for Halloween. Uh, you know, we wouldn't have the Batmobile without bats. That's, you make a very good point. But, yeah, I mean, I think I think just, like, if you want, if you're interested in, like, uh, evolutionary biology and you don't know where to start where your inspiration would be just like start looking at different bats it will astound you how amazingly different and uh fanciful they're they what they look like because i think we have this archetype of what we think a bat should look like so seeing all of the divergence from that i think is quite spectacular it really is. There are so many different faces on bats yes. that I, speaking of, hook me up with another bat. The biggest bat. We'll do the biggest bat. So okay. uh, the largest bats are flying foxes, and they are named such because they really do look like a flying fox. They have a very fox-like face. Uh, they're a mega bat. Wow. Um, wow. You, yeah, you have your mega bats. Like we just talked about the smallest bat. That's a micro bat. And then you have mega bats. So those are found in Southeast Asia. Uh, the flying fox is a fruit bat that eats fruit, nectar, and flowers. So despite its size, it's a frugivore. Uh, and they can weigh up to three and a half pounds with a wingspan of up to five feet. So Damn. huge. That is insane. Yeah. Yeah, my friend Shane is an evolutionary biologist, and he was getting to play with some of these in Australia because he was at a bat preserve where, like, all of these bats were being displaced because of the fires, and they were taking the baby bats in and, like, raising them from pups. And so he just, he's a really big guy, but he was showing me a picture of, like, a baby bat in his hand, and it's the size of his very big hand. Yeah, yeah, fruit bats. If you wanna wanna have a good time, if you're having a bad day, just look for like fruit bat eating a grape, uh, and you can usually find a video of like a baby fruit bat tucked in a blankie, like a little bat burrito, eating something like a grape or a banana, and it's adorable. It's like it's the cutest little little baby. I want to hold it and and care for it. 
instead of my own. <laughs> Speaking of eating, I have to go make my family gnocchi tonight. Oh, That's nice. That's what I'm doing. So where can people find you and talk more about animals and bats and just generally what's up with Katie Gold? Yeah, um, so I think you may have mentioned it, but I have a podcast called Creature Feature where I talk about all the amazing animal behaviors, all the the weirdos and and the the cuties and the uglies everything i think is to be admired and to be joked about we like to have fun on it so don't worry if you're like not deep into science but you like animals and you want to learn more about them uh it's a real fun time uh it's even fun if you are deep into science because we do get into the science of it but we but in a in a real fun way i think and uh, you can find me online at Katie Golden, K-A-T-I-E-G-O-L-D-I-N. That's my Twitter. Uh, and yeah, I'm also pro bird rights. Um, so basically what happens is uh, there is a flock of birds um, who like, I'll, I'll like put a bunch of strings on my fingers. And so like each bird controls one finger and then they type for me. And then that's how that account is made. It's a truly wonderful, twisted, insane account, and I can't recommend enough that you follow both Katie and ProBird Rights. I am Alex Schiffman. As always, this has been At Least There's This. If you like this podcast, please do all of the things that podcasts typically ask you to do. Like and subscribe and send me all of your money and give me your undying fealty. And if you have any friends who you think might like an episode that I've done before or this episode, send it to them. If you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at AFSchiffman, and that's about it. You guys have been a, a wonderful audience, I'm sure. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye! Okay, hi. Um, so, like I said up top, it has been a while since I've dropped any episodes, even though I was thinking at the beginning of the pandemic that I was going to be doing a few more. So, what happened? Uh, well, I, like a lot of people, got incredibly depressed. Being totally candid, it was nearly impossible for me to do literally anything. Everyone is dying around me. Our political system is totally defunct. The world is literally and figuratively burning down. And it made it impossible for me to get off the couch. I try not to, but this podcast does sort of fall into the uplifting genre. And a real uplifting podcast like some of the stuff you hear on iHeartRadio would have come through with stories from can-do people who grind 24-7 and whom winning is the best form of antidepressant. These are like the world-can't-get-me-down types, the sort of people who have brunch with Michelle Obama, the kind of people who when they see a structural failing in the system we're all stuck in, they go on Shark Tank and they turn it into profit. I'm talking about girl bosses of all and any gender. Well, that ain't me, and that's not who I hang out with. 
when shit really got hard, I couldn't bring myself to make uplifting content. Partly because I felt that during some of the worst swings of the pandemic for America and for me, it was immoral to try to be uplifting. But partly, honestly, because I couldn't pay attention to anything for longer than 30 minutes. I'm feeling better now, though. Needless to say, my antidepressants aren't grinding or winning or working harder. My antidepressants are called sertraline, which is the analog for Zoloft, and they're, they're really great. I've gained a little weight. My sex drive isn't as high as I'd like it to be, but it's still there. Uh, and it's hard to wake up in the morning, but who does that hurt? The side effects, though, are worth it because... I no longer fantasize dreamily about someone hitting me in the head with a lead pipe. So, you know, definitely check that off in the win column. The reason why I wanted to be doing my I talk to the audience portion at the end of the podcast instead of the beginning is because I had been feeling for a lot of the pandemic like my entire contribution to the media, art, space, whatever was curatorial. Um, and I love doing that. I bring together scientists and comedians for my show Science the Show. And for this show, I bring really interesting people who, you know, if I'm doing my job as an interviewer, they do most of the talking. And I sort of felt like I didn't exist, like I was a bit of a ghost. And I wanted to try to give myself the scary homework assignment of having more of an opinion and talking more on mic. Um, but so that I wouldn't feel too self-indulgent or like I was boring my audience, I figured, okay, I'll put that at the end. Um, because that way, you know, if you're just here for the guest or you just want to hear a fun conversation about, I don't know, drugs or light or some shit, you can get to that without my ramblings. But if you do like what I have to say, or you're the type of person, like I am, that you dread when your podcast ends because you don't want to be left alone with your own thoughts and you'd rather have a stranger's voice fill that void, stick around. I'll ramble for a little bit. So this episode was a joy for me to listen back to when I was editing. This is my second interview with Katie Golden, and I've done her show twice, and she's been on Science the Show once, and I just fucking love doing podcasts with Katie. She straddles the line between the two types of people I really like to work with. On the one hand, she's a very deep, thoughtful, and driven communicator about some of the things that make nature as it exists wonderful. Reality, through her lens, is the thing. It's beautiful. It's cool. It doesn't need anything else. She's also really fucking funny. She's got this very personal way of approaching nature with humor. It never feels like she's trying to entertain anyone but herself, and personally, I feel lucky when I get to get in on the joke. People like her who are self-guided by their own interests, they're my favorite types of people to talk to. Because in them, there's hope. Hope for me, at least, of a more humane way to exist than how we're all driven to live. The question, the thing that matters, is what is it that motivates me? What am I curious about? Not what does the market want for me or what does the culture deem is a worthy use of my time. None of that, to me, inspires the kind of love or hope 
that being self-directed does. And I don't say this as an admonishment to anyone who isn't living that way, because I call bullshit on anyone who says that the only thing holding you back is you. There are multivalent forces always pushing you this way and that, and self-expression and self-directed learning, those are easy things to lose when they're put as an alternate to your survival. My feelings about self-direction and curiosity, they're not prescriptive, necessarily. I, I would never get on mic and try to give you 10 ways to live a curious, self-directed life. I think that's uh, a shitty kind of consumerist outlook. Instead, to me, they're utopian. Being around people who have found ways to live a self-directed curiosity doesn't drive me to try to do anything. It instead shows me that there are alternate forms of human existence. Forms that aren't driven by clout or market share, avarice, competition, coercion, or bullshit corporate growth seminars. I can't help but feel like people on an individual level, they'll totally be fine if you leave them alone. I have a lot of fear. I worry what will happen if I don't make enough money. I worry if I should know how to grow food or stockpile water in case the world ends. I worry that when QAnon believers and neo-Nazis finally fuse, maybe I should have learned how to shoot a gun. But the more I'm around curious people, my fear stems less from the idea that individuals are bad. It just doesn't feel like people at the individual level are the problem anymore. I used to think that. I used to think that the problem was that some people were just stupid and evil and dumb, and if they could, you know, get with the right idea, learn about science, whatever, everything would be better. I don't know what the problem is. I have my own opinions, but, you know, I'm just a fucking guy. I'm not gonna act like I'm a political philosopher or something. But what I do know is that the more I connect with people who are driven by their own interests as much as possible, the more my life becomes worth living in the present and the less afraid I am for the future. Well, that's not fair. I am still pretty afraid for the future. Anyway, it's been a pleasure and I will talk to you soon. Otto, be quiet. Otto, stop. <laughs>